You're listening to theoutdoorstation.co.uk. Welcome to another special podcast recorded at the Outdoor Show at the NEC 2008. And this one is all about getting out. Uh, in this one, Andy Howell has a word with Hannah from the John Muir Trust about uh, the work that they do and concentrate on in the wilderness. I speak with Emily Peake, who is a young volunteer from Girl Guarding UK to encourage young people into getting into the outdoors. Andy continues his walk around the show and finds out more about Ireland's North West Cycle Trail. And he has a sit-down with uh, the sponsors of the outdoor show, uh, Ordnance Survey, Chief Executive Vanessa Lawrence, and discusses the new OS portal, which is now up and running. But first, Andy speaks to the Ramblers Association, a walking group for all ages. Now, when we think of the Ramblers Association, rather than fairly, we do tend to think about people of a certain age, perhaps bearded, struggling through the mud to get to the pub for lunchtime. But of course, it's not like that at all. And here at the Outdoor Show, the Ramblers Association are, pro are promoting their new hike section, which is focusing on walkers between the ages of 20 and 13. And I've got with me Kevin Matthews, who is the editor of Hike Magazine, which is the journal that's specifically aimed at walkers between the ages of 20 and 30. Yes, that's right. Walking is truly for everybody, but unfortunately the, the word rambler or ramblers has built up a caricature image over the last, last few years, in fact decades, of the old sort of bubble hat and red socks image, whereas it's actually something that everyone can enjoy. And the ramblers realised that and wanted to get more young people out walking, spending perhaps less time watching the telly, less time out drinking to excess, and actually get out and enjoying the fresh air. So... A few years ago we launched the hike section of the Ramblers which is a magazine and a set of walking groups, over 50 of which nationwide now, which are particularly aimed at people in and around the 20s and 30s age group because our research showed that was the age group that weren't joining us and weren't taking up walking. Now there's an interesting thing because I, when I look back a long way to when I was that age myself, I mean, one of the difficulties is that it's sometimes very difficult to find people of the same age who share that love for walking on the hills as well so presumably this is a great opportunity for people to get out and and, and meet other walkers sometimes for the first time. That's right. I mean, everybody seems to think they're the only one that enjoys walking. Then they join one of these groups and they find out that they are actually part of a massive population of people who do enjoy walking. Um, a massive number of our new members tend to be recent graduates or people in their 20s who perhaps been in their university hiking club and really got into the social network, taken up hiking, then they finish and go back and start the world of work and suddenly the phone call comes, I've just moved to such and such and, and they're looking for new friends, they want to carry on walking with the people of a similar age, similar outlook um, and that's what the hike groups there are there for. Now, if you've got 50 groups across the country, presumably this is a reasonably good geographic spread, so if I'm in most urban areas, I guess, would I have access to a hike group near me? Yes, the, wherever you live in the UK now, or certainly in Great Britain, there'll be a hike group very close to you. All the major cities have them, all the, ma all the main counties now have a, at least one hike group within the county, so wherever you are, there'll be a group near you. Now, we've got a, a load of leaflets here which um, have groups in Oxfordshire, Cambridgeshire, Nottinghamshire, Derbyshire, Staffordshire, Worcestershire, Warwickshire, the Black Country, Leicester and Rutlands, the Chilterns, West Midlands, Milton Keynes. I mean, you certainly do seem to have it covered. And 
this is presumably important in, in, in terms of taking the Ramblers forwards and making sure that it's, a, I mean, it's an important organisation that needs to stay with us. Well, that's right. As we mentioned earlier, that caricature image can often stand in the way uh, of all the important work that the Ramblers does and people see the image but they don't actually realise the work as a charity we're doing in the background to protect paths, increase access and also preserve the countryside. And most importantly, as we mentioned before, get more people out there walking. Um, so this network of groups makes us much more accessible and it means we are making sure there's a new generation of members to continue the Ramblers Association's work in years to come. I was talking to um, Lord Chris Smith, the president of the Ramblers, a couple of weeks ago and he was saying he was quite frustrated by the fact that he thought the Ramblers was one of the very best um, representative lobby campaigning groups he'd come across. And yet he said, you know, compared to something like the National Trust, its membership is absolutely tiny. So it really is important, isn't it, for, for those of us who love the outdoors and love walking to really support the Ramblers and ensure that it continues. That's right. I mean, the question is really, you could say that everybody who goes walking has a reason to support the Ramblers. Whether they choose to walk with one of our groups or not, it's the fact that by walking you're not only supporting the work um, of our local groups, but you're actually supporting the footpaths that you'll be walking on. Many people don't realise that much of the countryside they walk, walk on, especially the, the vast areas of land now open through the Countryside and Whites of Way Act, um, wouldn't be there for them to walk on if it hadn't been for the work. So we're almost an unsung hero sometimes, and the hike groups are just one way we're trying to better promote what we do, but more importantly, going forward, what we still need to do. We now have the access. The biggest issue we have in this country now is the rising levels of inactivity and obesity, and the big role of the Ramblers is to get more people to actually go out and enjoy the outdoors and walk, be it in the cities or in the country. And of course, um, I mean, the, the, the groups are important, the, the directories are important, but the Ramblers is a campaigning organisation and the, the, the new access laws, you know, much of that achievement is down to the Ramblers. And there's still a lot to do, isn't there, in terms of opening up our countryside, particularly coastal paths. Yes, coastal access is high on the agenda at the moment and we're very pleased with the progress being made with... Uh, the various government agencies towards with Natural England towards actually achieving that and we really want to see as much access to the coast as possible. Again, the coast, coastline is one that often one of the first experiences people have of walking. They're on holiday, on a coastal holiday and one of their activities is on a short walk and that can be where they actually get into walking for the first time. So it's really important that that first experience is there and there are more opportunities to walk the coast. So that's a very important part of our work. We still have an awful lot of our footpaths that link communities and make walking from your doorstep possible that are still inaccessible to walkers, so we still have a long way to go there. And as I mentioned before, a big area as well is actually promoting walking, encouraging people to walk both in the countryside and on their doorstep, both for health and recreation. Well, it's certainly, you know, one of the most accessible, one of the most enjoyable forms of exercise, particularly for those people that are having to take up exercise for health, health reasons. So good luck for that. Now, um... In terms of the, the height groups and membership, I mean, how much would that cost me a year? Um, membership now, um, annually, is... It's now... If you're joining on your own, it would be £27 a year. And for that, you'd get membership of your local group. But you can also walk with any group nationwide once you're a member. You also get our magazine, Walk, four times a year. Plus, um, the members of the Hike groups also get Hike magazine, which is specific for them, telling them about group events that are going on. And finally, they get their annual yearbook, the Walks Guide. And they also get their membership card, which is much more important than it seems because the membership card entitles you to many discounts at most outdoor shops. It certainly does. Many a time have I gone up into the walking capital of the world and left my membership card behind and have had to forego my 10% discount.
Now, um, everybody's on the web these days, so if somebody's listening to this thinking, well, that hike groups initiative sounds just the thing for me, um, they can find you on the web? That's right. They can go to the Ramblers website, www.ramblers.org.uk forward slash hike. Well, thanks, Kevin. It certainly is a worthwhile initiative and just illustrates the fact that rambling just isn't for the 50s. You know, and if you're the 20s and 30s, there's something very lively, very vibrant happening somewhere near you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. All of us that love backpacking and wilderness have a little special place in our hearts, I think, for the John Muir Trust, um, whose work um, really has made a massive difference to protecting some of our very last precious wilderness areas. And the John Muir Trust are here at the Outdoor Show, and I've got with me Hannah. Hannah, it's great to see the, the Trust represented here. I mean, presumably you're trying to promote the message of the Trust uh, much more widely. So how's the, how's the show for you, and what are the key messages you're trying to get across here today? The show's really a great opportunity for us to raise the profile of the Trust, but also to raise the understanding. Lots of people might have heard of it in connection with us owning Ben Nevis or Noidart, one of the iconic landscapes in Scotland that the Trust helps to protect. But as well as the conservation side, the Trust also campaigns against threats to wildland and helps inspire people to value and appreciate wildland and wild places through the John Muir Award. So the show for us is really a great chance for people to come find out about it and to feed back to us as well and find out how we're doing. Now, because John Muir himself was the, I suppose, the grandfather of uh, all wilderness movements. So tell us more about the John Muir Award. The John Muir Award's open to anybody of any ages. It's free to all. There's no charges. We provide the support. And it's really about getting people to identify a wild place that's wild to them, that means something to them, whether that's a mountaintop or in an urban area where they can find that little bit of wild place, about getting them to explore it and discover it, find out how they can conserve it, and then share their experiences with the community, with the friends around them. Again, that links back to the trusts valuing wildlands and wild places. Now, that's important because we do tend to think about the trust and wilderness in relation to the, the, the great expanses of Scotland or whatever, but I remember I was very struck this year by reading Robert O'Farland's book, The Wild Places, where you know he's focusing on areas of wilderness in, in very urban environments, really. So just talk a bit more about that. If somebody was thinking about the kind of places they might want to protect, the special places in cities, um, give us a few examples so people get a feel for what they might consider for the award. We've got some fantastic examples of groups adopting uh, area in their community, uh, sort of garden, helping out the council, or even in, within the school community where they've set aside a piece of land that turns it over. They've looked into what's needed in terms of... Um, what they can grow there, what they can develop, how they can open it up to the community. And that's gone from being a little bit of land that was serving no purpose to giving the community some focus and enjoyment as well out of it. Okay, so um, there's an urban side to the John Muir Trust that many of us haven't realised. But coming back to wilderness and, and particularly to Scotland, um, what, is, what are the big projects that are on the go at the moment? At the moment we're really um, working with partnership with local communities so the, the Trust 
purchased estate properties, but then we've helped community partnerships such as up in Ascent and the North Harris Community Foundation um, to help them manage the land for their community to make it sustainable for the future. And that sustainability is a key, isn't it? I was very impressed a couple of years ago spending um, some of the summer in Inverie in the Noidart, and what really impressed me was a whole community that had created that community company with an absolute commitment at the heart of it to, pro- to protect the wilderness of the Noidart, which was a fascinating concept, I think. Absolutely. They are wild places, but there are people living there and the communities based around it. We want the land to still be valued by everyone, and that includes the people that live there, and to make that sustainable, getting the communities involved the way forward. Well, and like everything else, um, you can join the John Muir Trust, and I guess everybody should join it to help um, keep it wild, as the slogan goes. So uh, how do we go about membership, and how much does it cost? The annual membership is £24 a year, but you can spread that for £2 a month by direct debit. You can join online, which is gmt.org, or by visiting us here at the Trust stand today. Well, good luck to you, Hannah. We certainly need to work hard to protect our wilderness and to, to expand it and to promote the notions of sustainable living. Thanks very much and good luck for the future. Great. Thanks very much, Andy. Girl Guiding UK is a female-only space. It's for girls aged seven and upwards up to any age um, we accommodate every everyone who wants to do anything in Girl Guiding UK um, they get to choose what they want to do in their units um, it's on a local level so where you live there'll be a number of units it's on a national level and it's on an international level Okay, so where can people find out, first of all, about um, guiding? So they, they might have a daughter or have a sister that's, that's interested in outdoor activities. Where do they pick it up from? Um, well, the main thing is to look on the website, um, www.girlguiding.org.uk. <laughs> um, um, there, there you can get in touch with um, CHQ, which can tell you um, where the units are in your area and who best to get in touch with. And what sort of activities do you do? I know you say that you know you obviously cover a lot of fun activities, but in, in reality, what is that? Is that camping? Is it uh, you know bushcraft? What sort of things do, do, do girls get up to these days? Um, well, some units do choose to go camping. Um, other units choose to look at animals. Um, last week with my brownies, we made necklaces. Um, we do lots of outdoor activities at the various centres um, where people work, like canoeing, climbing, archery. Um, you can go abroad with Girl Guiding UK. Um, lots of things, really. And what is the... There's obviously the brownies and the guides. Uh, is there an age difference between them, a cut-off point? Um, basically, um, if you're age 7 to 9, you're in the brownies. Um, once you, you are 10, you go to the guides. And once you pass 16, you can become an adult member. OK. Uh, I presume it's not a free service. You, do, you, do you pay a sort of a membership fee? Um, you pay a kind of membership fee, subscription fee. We only charge our brownies um, £1 for um, each week. Um, obviously, it's we pay that amount of money because we're a charity um, and we don't get money from anywhere else, really. Um, so it's minimal costs, um, and if people do have trouble paying those costs, then units accommodate that as well. So, I mean, you, you really are all about empowering young women to, to get involved and presumably socialise as well? Yeah, um, it's a very, very social environment. Um, 
and it's for anyone really, any any age, any background. Um, disabilities, we accommodate for disabilities, um, cultures, religions. So you, you cover everything and try and please all the people. Yes, it's um, we're trying to scrap the image. It's not just a white middle class background anymore. Um, it's for everyone. And what are you actually doing at the show itself? Because you've got you've got several stands, I notice. Um, yeah, we've got um, several stands. We're doing a go for it, which is one of the guide activities um, that guys can do. Um, go around to all our different stands and some of the other stands um, like the British Orienteering stand um, they'll get a stamp and a sticker and once you've completed five stickers you get a prize OK, well I wish you all the best on that and just to repeat that uh, website address again for people interested in, in this uh, activity is uh, www.girlguiding.org.uk Thank you <laughs> Ireland is a great place for all kinds of holidays and anybody that's been there knows about the amazing hospitality. But in recent years, I guess influenced by the uh, political stability and the positive nature of uh, the country moving forward, we begin to see all kinds of new tourist ventures emerging. And one of the ones that's caught my eye today is the Northwest Trail, which is a 326-kilometre circular cycling route through some of the most stunning country in the, the northwest of Ireland. And I've got Rick with me um, to talk to me about it. Um, Rick, this looks like uh, a kind of almost ideal cycling holiday for somebody that uh, likes their holidays in the, the north rather than, say, in the, the sunny med or something like that. It certainly is, yes. I mean, this new trail that we've developed is a cross-border trail in the northwest of Ireland. So you've got a mix, a whole mix of different types of countryside that you're cycling through, from coastal route through the lakelands and around sort of undulating countryside. And um, 326 kilometres, I mean, how many days would that break down to? I mean, presumably you can do it very quickly or you can take your time, but as a general guide, we're looking at how long? Well, it has the, I mean, this route you have the opportunity, you could do it in three days as a sort of a challenge. Um, you could do it in one day as a challenge, I suppose, if you're really fit. But also, you know, you can take four or five days over it and really enjoy it and get to see some of the lovely sights and sceneries, some of the museums, to explore the culture and heritage around the route as well. I mean, I take the point about the challenge, but really it is stunning countryside, and I, I'm not sure I'd really want to rush through it in a day or two days, because we're going through some stunning areas, aren't we? I mean, the wonderful rugged beaches and, uh, of Donegal through to the lovely lakes of Leitrim and Sligo. There's a terrific amount of variety there. There certainly is. There's a huge variety. I mean, part of this route, actually, you cycle actually on the beach at Rossnaula. Um, in Donegal, you have the wonderful sort of hills to either side of you as you go through the dramatic sort of Barnsmore Gap. Um, you also come across the border between Lifford and Strabane, um, where you have the Sperrin Mountains around you there. And then, as you mentioned, Enniskillen, you've got the Lakelands, you've got Marble Arch Caves, um, you know, all these sort of things that, that, that are around the route. Now, this, as you said earlier, is a, a cross-border initiative which you developed in partnership with Sustrans, I think. Um, now, some of the areas like Donegal are well-known tourist destinations, but others, um, for all kinds of reasons that we put behind us now, are, are not so well-known. But 
But it's stunning countryside, isn't it? And I've always found the hospitality in that part of the world second to none. It certainly is. I mean, no matter where you go on this route, you know, you will be, you'll receive a warm welcome in each of the towns, villages that you stop at along the way. And you'll get to see, you know, this, this area, you get to see the real island. That's what you'll find there. Whereas, you know, a lot of people used to find that in the south. It's now become so busy. Here, you know, you, you're looking at what was there maybe 20 years ago with that real warm welcome. You've got those traditional bars and a lot of music in the evenings. And, of course, the Donegal area particularly has got a long history, hasn't it, of um, traditional, um, traditional music? It certainly has, yes. Um, the likes of Ballyshannon, the route goes through. You know, there are traditional um, festivals there held every year. Um, like you say, you know, a lot of the pubs you'll find very regularly, you know, they'll have sessions in them. Oma has uh, the Dunola Centre, which is the centre for traditional culture and music in the north of Ireland. And um, as cycling country goes, it's... Uh it's a, it's a pretty good place for cycling, isn't it? I mean, the, the roads aren't too cramped and it's reasonably safe and uh, it would make a, for a good family cycling holiday, I guess. Certainly, I mean, uh, in terms of this route, you know, it takes some of the lovely, quiet country roads away from the main roads. Roads that you'll often have, green strip of grass up the middle, you know, you can tell they're not very well used. You're most likely to encounter maybe a tractor or two, um, and that's about it. Um, but on the whole, yes, it keeps away. And in, other, in some of the urban areas you have, uh, for instance, we developed the, a new route along into Sligo, into the town, right along the riverside. Stunning, beautiful way to enter the, the town of Sligo, for instance. Yeah. Okay. So, um, sounds like an ideal family cycling destination. If we wanted to know more about it, presumably you're on the web these days. Certainly we're on the web. Uh, it's northwest-trail.com is the website, and you can get all the information through that. And that'll give, you, give us information about the routes, but also about accommodation and the support that we need along the way. It certainly does, yes. And um, we have a leaflet on the route, and we're also producing one of the Sustrand-style maps of the route, which you can follow in detail. Well, it's a stunning part of the world, and... Uh, it looks like something that's uh, a really great new initiative, so I wish you well with that. Thank you very much. I'd recommend it to anyone. Now, last year when we were at the Outdoor Show, we had a sneak preview of the Ordnance Survey's new portal. And uh, the service is now up and running, and I'm with Vanessa Lawrence, who is the... Director General and Chief Executive of Ordnance Survey. The portal is something that's really going to revolutionise the way I think we see Ordnance Survey. So uh, take me through it and what its highlights and what, what can we expect from it uh, as your walkers? Well, very much the portal is, a, is a, a, a way for people to enter the outdoors, but through the web. It uh, not only has uh, uh, articles of interest, very much tells people what's going on, but more importantly, um, people are able to go and um, publish their own routes and also tell people, uh, look at other people's routes that they've done in their local area. So um, perhaps you'd care to choose a place and we could uh, go for ex and explore together. Okay, well, we've got a PC terminal in front of us. Um, in a week's time, I'm off to Snowdonia, so let's have a look at something around there. Okay, so Vanessa's just put in Clamberis into the search engine and it's given us 
three matching places. Well, we're talking about Clan Bears and Grinnell, that's right. And, and it's, it's, it's brought up a whole series of search results. And so we're looking at what, Vanessa? Well, we're now looking at uh, 42 routes that have been entered by uh, other people. That, uh, which they've undertaken, plus they've often published their photographs as well. And, for instance, we've got a, um, an example here where uh, somebody's put uh, that it's called each East Ridge Horseshoe, so grade two sc uh, scramble, and uh, basically it tells you that it goes up Eogon and then back down besides the Atlantic Slabs. Which is indeed a great day's out, great walk, great scramble. And what it does is it's a six-mile route, and um, um, then you enter into that route, and uh, you clearly see it, first of all, on uh, a fairly small-scales map, but, but you can that, go that, in and get the further detail now. But that's a pretty good detail there of... Um, uh, that was the, the kind of 1 to 25,000, and now we've got a, a map of the... Um, Basically following the A5 through the Ogden Valley. But very much showing you, as, uh, as it clearly says, it's suitable for walking and for rock climbing. Uh, this particular person hasn't actually put any comments in, but I, if I went and did that walk, could actually come back and put comments in and say the viewpoint from uh, this particular area was outstanding down onto the reservoir, for instance. So we could actually um, come back, have a look at the website here and say well actually that's the spot where I stopped and there were stunning views and we could effectively tag that on the map and, and put those comments in and I, I guess that over time what will happen is we'll, we'll end up with a, a, a massive series of comments or something that will really really help you decide whether this is the walk for you because guidebooks can be great and are important things but often you do wonder well is that white kind of route for me is that really a bit too difficult to scramble presumably over time we'll begin to build up a massive database of experiences that will enable you to decide whether this is the route for you or not absolutely and um what, what's fantastic is when people are entering their their own walk so somebody goes out on a sunday comes back says i'd like to publish my walk it was such a nice thing to do they go in and uh, they're able to actually pick from a menu to say whether it's um, you know a, a very difficult walk or whether it's perhaps suitable for a wheelchair or a pushchair. It tells them uh, there's cycle routes, there's horse riding routes, there's even canoeing and kayaking routes. And so, as a result, it, it really helps people to uh, have new ideas as they wish to uh, you know go for a go for an afternoon out, perhaps in an area that's unfamiliar to them. So this is in a sense about the audience survey tapping into or creating a community of, of walkers that interact with you in that way that's a very different kind of relationship that new technologies made possible but presumably that's going to be the future of mapping and the future of ordnance surveys to a large extent well ordnance survey underpins everybody's daily life um, in different scales of information half a million people are using our walking maps at weekends but uh, also uh, in another part of their daily life we might be underpinning their planning application or the supply of gas and electricity to their house. And so um, very much what we're seeing is new technology is changing the way we reach customers. The Explore portal has been particularly developed because we're very conscious of uh, the many new customers who perhaps are in their 20s and 30s, maybe in their teens as well, 
who are, the web is just something they use every minute of every day and being part of a community we know they're part of other social networking communities and they're becoming part of this community what's been interesting is this site's only been up for about uh, seven or eight weeks and uh, there are already three and a half thousand people who have contributed different routes some people contributing many routes and so as a result all of a sudden instantly you've got a, a community of several thousands of new routes that people can go on um, we see this all developing very much uh, we see over the next few months new developments which will draw more people to this site and uh, at the same time though what we do know is that um, you know going out walking is very much you know, helps people to, you know, manage all the other stress and strains of their lives. Now, um, on the page we've got here, we've got um, obviously access to the latest routes. We've got something that says latest blogs, and we've got something there that says from Camilla, our group's poet on the trail. So let's have a look at what that says. Wow, what does that mean? I don't know. Be anything. Oh, here we are. Oh, there's a poem. It's two new limericks, which I, I won't... I won't read out for embarrassment circumstances, but, but they're there on the site if you ever want to look at them. And again, this is a good example, I guess, of somebody putting something into the notion of the community outdoors in their own way, in their own style. Absolutely. Here's a person talking about their, their walk on the Isle of Wight, by the looks of it, with seven friends and how much they enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it tells us that they also even stopped to have a quick bite to eat at the end. And, you know, that's great that people can express themselves. I've seen uh, people talking about you know what a difference it's made perhaps they've not been very well recently and they've just kind of gone out and you know that that's fantastic but here's somebody also saying 10th of March be careful out there today the weather is wild so you know you're getting people giving us uh, advice at the same time and um, that's fantastic we've seen many people as is here uh, what they're doing is they're advertising their planned walks now that's quite interesting this is um, uh, somebody who's posted posted up a whole series of details of walks in yorkshire by the look of it and um, some evening walks or some uh, uh, walks that are about five miles up to seven eight miles um it becomes the kind of almost one-stop shop place for somebody who kind of thinks they might like to do something but isn't quite sure. And presumably that builds on people's faith in the brand of Audenson. I think so. Well, obviously what we, you know, we emphasise to people, this is other people's information that's being posted by them on top of our walks. We do moderate it to make sure that it's, uh, you know, being sensibly done, but we obviously haven't been out to check these walks. Uh, obviously, authoritative sources like our partners, like Gerald's and Walking World, they are the authoritative walks. They've checked those walks. But these are other people having ideas. And certainly what I found, um, I, I've gone onto the site when I've been in areas that I'm less familiar with and uh, thought, as I looked at my, my ordnance survey map, now, where exactly would be a really nice walk? Gone on here and being able to quickly identify four or five good areas to go walking and often they also tell us about the nice pub as well, which is, um, you know, frankly, it's what it's all about, isn't it? It's about enjoying themselves, whether it be a, a two-mile walk or whether it be a 20-mile walk, or even we've got cycle routes of 100 miles, I noticed on here. Well, certainly when we were looking at the Snowdonia section a few moments ago, there was everything there from um, very high-level routes that were very challenging to, to nice, gentle ambles along the kind of lower wooden, woodland um, 
uh, glades and um, so there is literally something for everybody here and, and in seven weeks it's quite impressive so who knows what it'll look like after two or three years well, I think uh, people should watch it carefully. I think there'll be lots of uh, new developments. And how to get at it is just go to the Ordnance Survey website and click on the leisure area and you can go exploring immediately with the Explore portal. Right. Now, obviously, one of the big um, developments that we see all around us, particularly this show this year, is the whole area around GPS and computerised maps and that kind of thing. Um, this going to work over the next few years? How, how do you think this technology is going to integrate with with your data and, and your maps? And what kind of new opportunities do you think it's going to open up for us? Well, I think tremendous opportunities, actually. Um, obviously, it, in the in the walking community or in the outdoor community, you have every type of person. The person who goes out with uh, uh, just puts on some uh, just quite strong shoes and just goes out for a little ramble right through to the very technical walker and hiker. And uh, what the kind of technology is doing is making sure that every part of that spectrum of walker is now covered. Obviously, they've always had a paper map. They can get hold of paper mapping, you know, instantly off their bookshelf. But what uh, the, the GPS technology is giving them is, besides accurate positioning of where they are, and certainly i found them to be very helpful on, to, on some of the most remote parts of Great Britain. One, I've not found I need a GPS in areas of uh, sort of um, just rural walking. It's when you're in the extreme areas, uh, GPS comes in very helpful, but people do tend to use them in all landscapes now. But I, what I'm seeing is our data, as data being integrated into these devices and people using them uh, you know, it's sort of in association with our maps. Now, the one warning I would give to your uh, listeners is that, uh, and the, the equipment manufacturers say the same, is never just walk with a gadget. We all know about gadgets. The batteries run down, you drop it, and all of a sudden it doesn't work, or you know, the internet goes down. All of those things happen, um, you know, when you've got when you're dealing with gadgets alone. Still need that compass and you that map. You still need that compass and that map. And if you went to talk to Mountain Rescue, they will tell you that one of the kind of increase they're seeing is people going out with a cellular phone and a gadget, and then we're sort of thinking, well, I'm lost. So I'll just ring them up, and you know that is a, a waste of the resource when people should go out with a good compass and still know how to use them. So what we're seeing here are, are, are products that are adding real new value to what we're doing, but they're not replacing the traditional tried and tested techniques um, that are going to keep us safe there. But uh, certainly that, that portal's fascinating, and I think it does give us a glimpse of the way in which things are going to go. So um, good luck with that. Thank you very much. And uh, maybe next year, if we're here again, we can chat about it and be interested to see what's happened after 12 months of using it. Very much. I think we'll see thousands of users now attracted to it and uh, a lot more good content on it as well. Okay, so if you go to www.audancesurvey.co.uk, you'll find the links to the portal there. And uh, already it's looking to be a, a very useful tool. I shall certainly log on before I go to Snowdonia next week and see what it's got to, uh, to offer me. Excellent. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Vanessa. Thank you.
And that brings us to an end of another outdoor show special recorded at the 2008 Ordnance Survey Outdoor Show at the NEC this year. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the shows. Uh, we've still got a variety of uh, interviews to compile into more specials as well as into the pod zines. Uh, and so do uh, drop us a line at info at theoutdoorstation.co.uk and let us know your thoughts and if you've enjoyed them. Uh, do, of course, uh, keep an eye on the website uh, because you never know exactly uh, when another podcast is released full of useful information. We do like to cover a whole range of topics. And if you're an iTunes user or use an other, another similar podcatching software, make sure you click and get the RSS feed so that any time we re-release re anything, you get it straight away. I'm getting all tongue-tied with podcatching and podcast software. Anyway, until next time, folks, have a good week and we'll see you soon. All the best now. Bye-bye. This independent programme has been brought to you by the Outdoors Station. .co .uk.